0: everybody and welcome to the July edition of the TJ podcast. I'm John Kennard, editor of TJ, and this month we've got the customary chat about the magazine and the webinars from Joe. Uh, We go live to LTSF with Kate and then I ask her back to talk about her brand new project, uh, Women in Learning, which is gaining a lot of traction on LinkedIn and had a really, really good first event a couple of weeks ago. But first of all, let's head to Excel. So here we are, a live news section at the new uh, Learning Technology Summer Forum in its new home of Excel. And welcome to the podcast again, Kate Graham. Hello, thank you for having me. How are you? What, how do you think uh, the, the new venue's shaping up and, and this event's going?
1: Well, it seems quite good. So it's important to note for listeners that maybe aren't here that it, this is in Excel, but it's in a different part of Excel to where the February event was. So again, it's all new again. It's all changed. So there's no the space doesn't really allow for a keynote address and that's a little bit... Uh, weird, just a little bit different, but the um, space for the exhibition is much bigger, which is great. I'm sure anyone who's been to Summer Forum will know that it does get really busy. Um, and yeah, I'm really liking the space. I think XL is just so well designed. You know, you have to get here, but I think once you're here and you're in, it is a really great facility. So everyone seems to be bedding in really well.
0: I was saying I was chatting to uh, Blake Hennigan from Optimus the other day, and, and I was saying, well, it's terrible for people coming from the West. But he said it was much, much better for me kind of thing. So, you know, it, it, it does it makes a, a positive difference for some and negative for others. But yeah. I, I must confess, I didn't read the literature and I did get off a of custom house. So I had a bit oh, of a walk to get fact. here, but that is completely on me. <laughs> but yeah, the, the lack of keynotes kind of, I, I think it gives it a different dynamic because it means people kind of get straight in the mixer and find the sessions and engage with yeah. some vendors maybe. I mean, I
1: think, you know, you, you could say, I mean, a couple of people commented to me and say, does it not set the tone? for the day or does it not set the context but often you know the sort of the point of keynotes is is very different to some of the you know some of the case study led sessions and and things like that that we have in the track so I don't think it matters from from that point of view Um, and yeah it's been to be honest it was quite nice to be able to get here get the lie of the land chat to people rather than having to go straight into that keynote.
0: It's early days at the start of the, uh, the the event it's a one day event, but uh, any any themes springing out to you yet have, have you have you heard people talking about common themes at all?
1: Uh, I can see a few common themes in the program, but I've just been to a session about um, learning failures. and it, oh, it was, I can't tell you, absolutely brilliant to hear people talking about what they've learned from. So, I mean, I actually had a conversation with Miles Runham yesterday, and he was talking about the need for L&D to experiment more, which I'm a big, you know, at We talk about people doing more pilots, you know, being more agile. And, you know, you can't do any of those things unless you can cope with some level of failure, because that's almost the point of running those kind of things. And being agile, you know, you just sort of embrace the failure, learn, and then move on to the next. It's minimum viable product. So I think that's such an important session for like that shift in mindset away from everything has to be perfect. So that's the first session that I've been to, but yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant.
0: I just went to a session with David James from Loop.
1: Oh,
0: uh, i have gutted I couldn't go to that. He's, he's great, yeah. Uh, Ex-CLO of Disney as well. And, and it was good to hear him talking about similar things, actually, about minimum viable product, about agility, about testing things out mm. to scale them later on and, and mm. things like that. Oh, well, the there way you go. That,
1: so we've, we
0: found the theme. Yeah, so, <laughs> so maybe that's it. Let's, <laughs> let's see how the rest of the day goes. But it seems like this is what people are talking about. And it was yeah. also really good, and something that me and Debbie, um, TJ editor-in-chief, have been talking about... Uh, a lot as well is giving more content uh, around line managers and oh. around the importance of managers and, and the whole session was based around if someone became a manager tomorrow what so would they important. need to know kind of so thing important.
1: so um uh, paul matthews at people alchemy i mean he's been talking about this for years and years and even uh, last week i was at an event and we were talking about you know, yes. You know, learning is really important, and you know, there's this whole piece around learning culture that's that's becoming a much bigger topic of conversation. But and you know, if the line manager says to you, "Well, I really need that done by three p.m., Susan," you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to do your learning, or are you going to do whatever you've got to do for your for your job or for your project? So, I, it, they can make or break it. I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's about eleven o'clock on. Uh, on the first day, the only day. But um, really good event so far. Let's see how it goes. Great. So now we come, as always, to TJ Magazine. And welcome to the podcast for July. Joe Cook, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, thank you very much. Very much looking forward to the magazine as always.
0: Yes, the theme of the month this month is managing and developing teams. Something which... uh, is one of those topics of L&D which will never go away it will just uh, we'll, we'll find kind of new uh, ways of looking at it and new techniques but uh, team management and team development is something that will always be um, uh, an issue and, and a concern for uh, L&D departments in the wider business I think.
2: Yeah and an opportunity for businesses, people, teams to do much better and to achieve what they need to all round.
0: Yes indeed, uh, as always I kick off the, uh, well, one, me or Debbie, this month I kick off the magazine with a leader about uh, developing teams amongst other things, uh, a little bit on the TJ Awards, um, a little bit on culture as well, leadership. Don Taylor actually talks about research, and to pull out a quote from his piece, research is part of a process of continually pushing forward, seeking it out and using it should be a natural part of what we do. Without it, we run the risk of stagnating and eventually becoming irrelevant. I really like that quote. And I think we've we've heard similar things um, from you as well about data and about research and about mm-hmm. citation uh, recently. What did you think, Jay?
2: I couldn't agree more, obviously. Uh, actually, on there's a, a LinkedIn group about uh, the revolution and evolution of L&D. And somebody had put on there, you know, what's something you'd recommend to a new L&D person? And I think my answer was research, 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 network. Um, Uh, And it was questioned, quite rightly so, what do you mean by research? And for me, it's about looking a little bit deeper. So I was reading a report yesterday uh, from a company and I thought, yep, this is looking good. It's got some great data in there. I might use that in something. But then it was just like, well, how many people were asked as part of this research? So therefore how big is the sample? Where did they go to? And none of that information was available. So therefore it's just, well, that, is now not reliable enough for me to use, whereas other research that says X number of people across these industries, we had the third party do the XYZ, you know, that's a little bit more robust. So it's that kind of thing where I didn't just say, hey, here's a fact from a report that uh, does the job for my sales or marketing or telling my story, but digging a little bit deeper. So that's a really good example, I think.
0: Yes, Uh, I was at Learning Technology Summer Forum yesterday, and I went to a session with Christina Gad about pulling storytelling out of data and uh, she gave us some data sets one of the exercises and um you, they were represented as bar charts and spider graphs and and various other things and someone made a good point right up front um which was how did they get this data was it self-reported or was it scored by a line manager or something like this and uh Christina was you know very impressed with the question and it's a really really good point it's like not only how big's your data set but what's the provenance of it what's the um, mm. you know where did you get it from and and uh, and how has it been reported on so that was uh, that was a really interesting part of that talk i thought
2: absolutely and david james from loop put something on uh, linkedin this morning i think or last night saying you know there are lots of reports where learners are saying this is how i prefer to learn but actually, is are we asking the right question? Should we not be asking what are the challenges that you have moving forwards and how can we help with those? Uh, and he wrote a really nice article on that on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, he was also, uh, his talk yesterday, Learning Technologies um, Summer Form, is also very, very good. Um, and uh, he's got a good podcast as well that's um, added to the, yeah. the the great L&D podcasts that are out there. On the facing page uh, of Don's piece, we have, of course, Kirk looks. Joe, tell us a little bit about what you talk about this month. Well,
2: I picked up on the theme this month and went with team reflection. And I told a story where basically I'd put somebody that I work with on a course without actually telling them why I thought it was good for them or uh, managing their expectations, you know, all of those classic mistakes. And then afterwards reflecting and going, huh, so I've made all these mistakes, even though I help other managers to do better and as an L&D professional I really want people to get involved and we know that the manager is is really important in terms of the learning and stickiness and actually improving performance and I've made all of those exact same mistakes uh which in retrospect makes me uh smile and thankfully the employee was uh, was very very cool with that but it just really highlighted for me it's like if I am helping or trying to help other people not to make those mistakes and I make those mistakes it just highlights how easy it is to overlook that that's kind of what i took from it Uh, not that i'm a bad manager
0: (laughs) Um, the the part of your piece that i pulled out was about reflection friday tell us about reflection friday
2: Oh, we love Reflection Friday. So, so most of you know that outside of TJ, I run my own company. It's me and Michael, and Michael's actually my brother. So there's, <laughs> there's a whole podcast's worth of information there. And what we do, not every Friday, but most Fridays, we reflect on the week and we split it into what was a success. What is something that we've learned from a success? So even so, something is successful, maybe there's still some improvement that we can make. What was something that is a failure? Um, and also, what can we learn from that and action going forwards? And we also have the category of utter failures. Uh, and luckily, we don't have too many of those. I think we've, we've Michael and I have tallied up one each or something over the last year but then we have other things about or well, what we're we going to do from this who's got the action of you know updating this process changing this document you know whatever it might be and we just try and do that so that we are looking at the process of the business we're recognising our successes and and we're dealing with sometimes quite small changes and errors and we try and have a non-blame culture it's not of ha you did this but it's just how did it go wrong and how can we fix it and sometimes even the really small things can develop a new process that actually has some quite far-reaching effects and also it's about our communication and our relationship as well so partly we are brother and sister and that's good and bad so we've got a level of intimacy um, which is really good but that can also breed its problems as i'm sure most people could imagine and laugh at Uh, so it's about you know how do we communicate and how could we do that better as well
0: oh yeah absolutely i think um like you say there's the there's the good and the bad of that but I think it is it's a really good thing to do because it's also very important to uh to learn I think you learn more from mistakes than you do from from wins as such but it's also equally important to highlight the things the good things that you've done and celebrate those because I don't think people I I think people probably don't and I include myself in this don't do either thing enough they don't celebrate the good points and also properly analyze the mistakes as well and there's great value in doing both.
2: Yeah, and, and also it can be really challenging as well. I have this with Mike a lot where he'll say, well, this needs to be better. I was like, yeah, absolutely it needs to be better. But we also need to look at the context of, we've got more work than two people can handle. And so therefore, you know, we have to prioritise what that work is. Um, and, and that's going to be the same for every single person, every single job. There's always more that you want to do and things that could be better. But there's only so many hours in the day that you can work. Uh, and I think some of those things are really important to look at and then go well is that a priority we should put move something else off that priority list uh, and and it helps to make those decisions as well and like you say celebrating success we quite often have a conversation where i'll go well this happened this week or i or you did that and it was really great and michael will go yeah but that's just like work <laughs> like yeah but we did it well so we should we should celebrate <laughs>
0: Yes, you should definitely. Um, So, moving on to uh, the facing page, we've got Liggy Webb talking about curiosity. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was echoed in uh, coming back briefly to yesterday at LTSF, uh, Chris Gad's talk on data. And she said the most important skill for data analysis is curiosity, which I thought was a really, really interesting and, and very Uh, insightful way of looking at it i think so so liggy says the five i'll just go through the, the five elements of curiosity or the way ways to uh ways you can be more curious in business one adopt a growth mindset two ask open questions three be comfortable with not knowing i really like that one uh four be present and five make time to be curious
2: Yeah, I like that. I mean, she talks about we're creatures of habit, we get caught up in behaviours and going down the same old path and routine. So to try and do something to think fresh and different. And, you know, there's all those examples of go out for a walk or have a conversation differently. You know, there's loads of different ways to do that. But I really like that point about, you know, just trying to do something a little change it up.
0: A little bit. Yes, definitely. Um, moving on to a few more pages down through the magazine, uh, we have a great piece from Kate Turner from Motivational Leadership about motivation. And uh, a really good quote here. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, people can be motivated by many things. It could be fear. It could be achievement. It could be uh, competition, you know. Um, but the quote that uh, I've pulled out is she says, motivation is a feeling. It operates in that part of our brain which doesn't have words. So by asking a direct question like this, what motivates you? It's likely we simply engage our rational and logical brain. We need questions which go to the heart of what drives us. Questions which elicit feelings. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Love that. I'm actually just doing some work
2: on social learning in virtual classrooms and going through a lot of Julian Stodd's work about social leadership and he makes a similar point is you You basically just can't ask those superficial questions. And that might be the first question you ask in minute one to three. But there's a whole load of depth underneath that that you need to look at. And I think she highlights that really
0: well. So to carry on with the motivational theme, Doug Miller, trainer and coach and author of 11 books, in fact, uh, talks about SPARC, the SPARC acronym. Uh, Motivation is about self-determination, about purpose, authenticity reward, and challenge. Uh, so it's another good way of looking at things. And we do love an acronym in L&D. Oh, we do. And rounding off the magazine this month, of course, is Henry Stewart from uh, his company, Happy. Joe, How did you? what did you think of that piece?
2: I love it. And uh, the stand first, the paragraph at the top says this month, Henry Stewart asks, do teams need managers? And I think a lot of managers around there would balk and go, of course, otherwise I'll be out of a job. But I really like um, something that he says, which is that it's actually more about managing work rather than managing people. And I think that's a really different way to look at things.
0: Yes, definitely. It's a really, uh, well, it's a typically controversial, but not for the sake of it question from Henry. And it's a really nice way to Mm -hmm. round off the magazine this month. Okay, on to webinars. So
2: our webinars are in their new format now, John. We've had our first Insight 30 minute conversation with Jane Hart and also we've had our first practice conversation. 30 minute conversation with Christina
0: Gad. Uh, what do you think of them so far? Uh, I think they're brilliant. I think they're really, really good. Uh, we've had two great conversations. We've got plenty more coming up. Uh, we we pack a lot into half an hour, I think. But um, I guess that I'm looking at the webinars this time around from a more circumspect way of Uh, building a library and and uh thinking that there's a lot of people engaged at the time there's people who are uh watching them back on youtube and uh yeah we're just building another great library of content for tj talks and uh really excited about the next one
2: Yeah, and people are finding it useful. Somebody commented in our LinkedIn group uh, yesterday, actually, that Christina Gad's uh, session talking about learning and training needs analysis. Actually, they've started writing a guide internally about how to do that. Uh, So I thought that was really awesome. That was Harry LeClaire. So thank you for sharing that, Harry. And it's really nice to hear about the direct impact that we're having.
0: I love it. It's quite a crowded field, but we've got some really, really good things uh, coming up. We've got Don Taylor talking about, as an L&D professional, should your number one priority be engaging with the business? This is on the 23rd of July. Joe, what do you think about that for a question?
2: Well, uh, the obvious answer is Yes. But then it's like, well, how do we do it? Why do we do it? Or or maybe there's an opposing point of view of, well, L&D are a specific department to do a specific job. Surely we have people like CEOs, senior managers and stakeholders, and it's their job to actually focus on the business. And it's our job to focus on executing, uh, helping people in their work. So, you know, you could take an opposing viewpoint about that.
0: Yeah, looking forward to the discussion on that one, definitely. And then, uh- not long after that, we've got Paul Matthews uh, from People Alchemy who's going to be talking about training solutions and specifically, and this is a great question, another bit of a leading question here, but um, with training requests, uh, do you give managers what they want or what they need?
2: Yeah, this follows on, I think, from from the conversation we'll have with Don because we all know, and I use this example often of the manager comes to you in LD and says, my team need training on whatever, time management. And do you just go, yes, this is the next time we're running sessions. These are your online courses or e learning courses. Uh, Or do you kind of have that conversation and make it much more about performance consultancy and kind of look at what's the real problem?
0: So I think those two conversations go hand in hand, which is really nice. They do. And uh, I interviewed Paul yesterday and he's a a great speaker and uh, really excited about that one. And then we have one of the dons of L&D, Laura Overton on august the 27th uh the question that we're asking there is what is the real this is a huge question and uh i think the the uh chat window in this one is is going to be rather busy uh, what is the real learning culture problem ellen d are trying to solve
2: yeah, Laura and I discussed that question a lot, actually, we we went round and round the houses and, and focusing on it, because there's so many different ways you can slice and dice that conversation. But what we want to do there is is beyond looking at, well, whose job is it to do culture, because it's everyone's job, we know that. And we wanted to look at, well, what what do we see as the need? What's the presenting need? What can we do about it? So it's still wanting to be um, practical, and what can we do about it? But actually, we need to look at kind of beyond what we think it might be. So I'm just going to
0: leave that there to tantalise people. Yeah, looking forward to that one a lot. So loads of great stuff coming up. We've got uh, so many webinars now, but they they're split into practice and insight, as we uh, as we said before. So we've got real practical things for the doers in l&d and then we've got people that more the thinkers the people who want some deeper insight uh we've got our insight series as well so yeah really really looking forward to the the two or three that we've got coming up so here i am joined by kate graham of all people how are you
1: again (laughs) here Um, i am (laughs) we've not
0: even moved um so we're going to be talking about a new initiative of yours or are you a co-founder? We can talk about all of this, I guess, uh, which is Women in Learning. So tell us a bit about Women in Learning.
1: So in February, Don uh, Taylor asked me to chair a session at the Learning Technologies Conference around women in learning. And the genesis of that is that uh, a lady called Sharon Cluffy-Kaliubi in the, in the US has worked with Elliot Macy, um, who you might have, might have heard of, um, on his events in the US for many, many years, going back as far as 2011, around having panel sessions and discussions and you know really focusing on women in our profession. And, you know, go figure that it took a man to, to start those sessions. But, you know, hey, so Sharon couldn't make it in February. So I stepped in and um, Donna had released some numbers uh, last year based on the split of um, men and women across different roles uh, within L&D uh, based on uh, data from the Learning and Skills Group. And I, I'm a bit ashamed to admit that I didn't really take a huge amount of notice of them when they came out, but then selfishly motivated by the need to prep for this session I went through them in more detail and I started to feel really kind of mad actually like really cross about it, and it shows that um, we do have a lot of women we do attract a lot of women into the industry and I think maybe that 's lulled me into a bit of a false sense of security because um, actually in support roles it 's two thirds women to one third men but then you go right the way up to senior level and women are not breaking into their senior levels to as much of a degree so it's, it flips it 's one third women to two third men and that 's something of a problem so this is just that those numbers have been a bit of a catalyst for what Sharon and I have termed Women in Learning. And um, the conversation has just continued since the event. And I didn't want it to die because I got crazy engagement. And and people were really, really obviously cared about this subject, both men and women. And uh, people were giving me kind of podcast recommendations and book recommendations. And people who organised events were saying, Well, I find it really hard to find women speakers. So I set up a LinkedIn group. We've already got over 700 people. We've just done a little bit of research of our own to try and dig a little bit deeper into what Don's doing. Um, Ashley Sinclair from Thrive Learning, um, in partnership with Get Abstract, put on an event last week uh, which was kind of the inaugural women in learning event, so there 's loads happening, and it does feel like it 's uh, become something of a movement, so it 's really now about saying okay well we 've kind of established that this is a challenge and we 've heard some stories, good, bad, and sadly pretty ugly um, around uh, what women have experienced in terms of gender imbalance or discrimination in the industry. so now it 's about okay how do what are we 're trying to achieve, how do we move that forward?
0: I must confess that I, I would have said that L&D was quite um, female focused and tip but I didn't realise that you know the stats don't lie to paraphrase Shakira but to get higher up in in organisations that this flips around because I see quite I thought at least I saw quite a good representation but obviously not So
1: David James said to me a few weeks ago he said just because you look out of the window and it's not raining where you are doesn't mean that it's dry everywhere else talking about this topic and I uh, as I said I think the proliferation of women across the industry has probably lulled us all into a bit of a false sense of security so um um, and the great thing about trying to be evidence-based in the approach is that, yeah, the numbers are there. So, I mean, you know, it's not definitive data set by any stretch of the imagination, and that's why we're doing some, some more research. Um, but clearly it is an issue. So it's it's really great to have that basis and, you know, not just go on, on well it sort of feels like this, like the, the rain analogy.
0: So the... LinkedIn group's obviously flying. Mm. Uh, the first event went really well. Is this going to be the first of many? What's the strategy there, if there is one?
1: So there isn't a strategy. We're You know, we're making this up as we go along. Everybody's giving up their time. And, you know, it's just, it's a passion project, really. You know, I have a day job and I'm very busy in that. So uh, the event did go really well. And it was great to have the the support from, from Thrive and, and Get Abstract. And it, what... What was interesting about the event was it was a lot of storytelling. So I did a bit of scene setting, talked a bit about the data, but we had women there talking about who are in senior roles, talking about their experiences and talking about how they've got to where they've got to within L&D today. And we also had um, Nicola Kilner, who's um, female CEO at only 30 years old of a global £300 million beauty brand called Dussium. And so it's uh, fascinating to see uh, them all talk about their different journeys. And Nicola actually talks about the fact that uh, they are not a, an old company. They're only sort of six years old, seven years old. And so they haven't got a legacy of L&D and she's appointed a head of L&D and she sits at her right hand, she reports directly into the CEO. And that got a round of applause in the room because they're really prioritising people development. And I think this is all kind of feeds into a bigger conversation about the evolution of L&D as as a profession and as a whole. Where do we sit in organisations? How do we play? How are we seen as being more strategic? So there's kind of no limit to it all um but uh you know there are events being talked about in manchester and scotland um we're talking about doing more um informal kind of meetup type things there is definite appetite from the research for uh kind of mentoring and coaching um specific careers advice and guidance that kind of thing so uh, and and certainly starting to address some of the um stuff at conferences so women can come to these uh, events and feel represented Um, and as I said I mean it it doesn't really have any limits it's about age diversity as well about ethnicity so this kind of notion of intersectionality I think is absolutely fascinating and why just stop at getting more women into senior roles in-house you know this is a much bigger conversation.
0: I've got a couple more questions, actually. The first being, have you been able to use your kind of insight and techniques at Fosway to, to, to get more information and to get more data around women in learning? Uh,
1: yeah, not, not specifically. I mean, that's not something we delve into at Fosway. But in terms of um, creating a survey and pulling research together and thinking about we put that in then yes definitely I've you know I've learned so much from working for for David and and, um, with David as our director of research that that definitely shaped the way that I do things previously I might have gone more for you know stats but actually the qualitative answers of free text answers that are very revealing they tell you a lot so yeah that really did help me
0: and I know I don't want to kind of put this onto a a male success story now because this is about women in learning of course but uh, i have to single out andrew jacobs for the the things that he's been uh posting on linkedin and and his blog post about it starts with me and things like that and this is obviously uh, a a female-led initiative into a an issue to do with women in learning but it's good to have allies like andrew i guess In what he's doing?
1: So, this is the whole point of this is that it's an inclusive discussion. When I set up the LinkedIn group, I thought about, well, do I just make it women only? And I only held on to that thought for about 30 seconds. And there's a quote, and I, I can't remember who said it, but there's a quote out there that I paraphrase, which says something like, it's not black people's problem to solve racism. And it's the same point, you know, women talking to each other are not going to solve this problem. And some of the biggest supporters and most vocal supporters, Andrew, you know, chief among them, and Don Taylor, for example, as well, have been men. So, you know, I can't tell you the number of shares I had around the survey from men. You know, there's been a lot of vocal support. But to push back, Andrew um, shared a tweet the other day to say, you know, I didn't need to go and speak at this conference, but I've just recommended three women and you know and that to me is a very tangible thing that people can do Um, and you know we all should be doing it and we should all be looking at the you know ethnic mix of of different panel sessions and, and things like that as well because people want to feel represented and it's something that i think you see a lot more now on television yeah i mean my kids watch cbb's you know there are all sorts of you know there's people with disabilities and and, and all sorts of things on there and it's absolutely fantastic because they just growing up seeing seeing that and seeing people represented and seeing that as normal so yeah we need to be more like cbb's
0: <laughs> absolutely where's to live by okay well Kate, thanks very much and best of luck with it all
1: thank you so much
0: unbelievably we've come to the end again joe uh Oh. I know, I know. But we'll be back next month. Don't worry. Before we go, Yay. let's talk about subscriptions. We have, of course, always, uh, as always, got our rolling three month subscription offer. Do DM us for that. You can get us on Twitter at Training Journal. You can find us on LinkedIn in the LinkedIn group. Uh, you can email me or Joe, uh, surname at trainingjournal.com
2: absolutely more than happy to give you three months of the online magazine for free you can also subscribe to the online magazine and get it unlocked immediately rather than waiting for that and you can also subscribe to the paper magazine and have it
0: arrive in your letterbox every month which is always quite exciting absolutely is next month the subject is building creativity and innovation so uh, looking forward to that one a lot until then joe it's been a pleasure we'll see you next time bye TJ Podcast is hosted by John Kennard, Joe Cook and Kate Graham. It's produced and edited by me, John Kennard, with additional production by Joe Cook. The title music is by The Leisure All-Stars featuring Yolanda. The sponsorship music is by Audio Nautics and is used under a Creative Commons licence. TJ is a publishing title owned by Dodds Group PLC.